teenage years is a time of great change and adjustment for all families. I know that it's coming up in our household too. Um, children and parents can feel like they're on a roller coaster ride of um, mixed emotions into uncharted territory. And just when you thought you had the tough years and early uh, sleepless nights of parenting behind you, um, you realise there's a new challenge ahead. So today we'll be sharing some ideas for how you can support your children through the teenage years. And to tell us about this, I'm joined by Lucy Dahl, who's kindly agreed to share her expert knowledge. So Lucy is actually a youth mentor, an advocate and radio host. She has three children of her own, and I know she's going to tell us her story as we go. So welcome, Lucy. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you all for tuning in to listen today. Um, it, it was a really interesting point you make there, Emma, about the difference in uh, what you're presented with as a child grows from the young age into the teenage years because it's a very big transition time from uh, parenting that's been very physical into parenting that I think actually becomes more psychological. It really becomes about walking your talk and the challenge is when your young person is discovering their voice it can be very challenging what comes back at you. So I'm hoping that as we go through the slides and as we talk today, um, you'll get some ideas about why they're behaving the way they do, why they say the things they do, and, and hopefully um, actually enjoy it. My aim would be that you, you come out of this and you, you don't dread the teenage years, but you actually feel empowered to, to um, see it as a relationship development. Yes, I agree. And look, I think to all the audience, you've joined this call for a reason. So please have a think about what you'd like to ask Lucy um, today and use it, as I said, to type in the question box. So whilst the audience is doing that, I'm going to hand over the presentation uh, to you and uh, allow uh, you to drive the conversation today, um, Lucy. So whilst the audience are having a think about uh, their questions for you. What is it specifically, you know, the things that you're going to cover in today's conversation? Um, I am going to uh, cover, um, there are going to be about six slides here. I'm going to move my little webinar bit out of the way. Okay, so um, we have got an overview here on the screen. We're going to talk about the daily juggle of being a working parent. Um, I'm going to do. I'm going to set the scene a little bit for some of the issues that come up. I'm going to talk about what our job is as parents because I think it's worth clarifying what the expectations are of us at this time, and the difference between stress and anxiety. You'll notice that, that comes up quite a lot, and it's really important to talk about it when um, I'm seeing as a as a youth worker. I am seeing anxiety starting quite severely from under 12 at the moment but very severely from 12 onwards but it's starting under 12 so it's really important for us to talk about it so that we can spot the difference and support our, our young people as we go through. Um, walking the talk will be something that uh, will be a, a word that you don't um, easily let go from your thought process by the end of this and the uh, most important thing which is looking after yourself first. Um, I have been a working parent in an office. I have had uh, quite a demanding job and did that when I when the children were very little and then took a 
break and went into being a more of a sole trader and working for myself and then ended up going back again into an office environment when they were teenagers and I noticed a really big difference in my uh, in what it was what the demands on me were from the start when they were little to when they were teenagers and I'm hoping that I can give you some stories from my experience as we go through but please ask questions as we go through I'm really happy to make this as, as interactive as possible so you all get something out of it mm -hmm. um, thanks Lucy and I'll moderate and I'll uh, come in with questions as I receive them interesting piece you talk around um, the 12-year mark um, because it's interesting my twin boys are now 10 uh, 10 and a half actually um, feels like they're going on 15 and I seem to and certainly the other conversations I've been having with parents um, in my peer group uh, that we can very much feel those teenage years occurring now um, for some of us yeah. we're about to step up into schools that they will go on to um, until they finish high school and so already getting ready in our household for what that change might bring. Uh, just when officially these days would you say teenage years start? Because it used to be 13. That's right, it did. And it's definitely starting younger. Um, the, the life goes into children's worlds a lot earlier. And uh, predominantly, I'll be talking here about a young person who hasn't experienced great trauma. Um, I work with young people who do experience great trauma and, and, that, and they go into adulthood and teenage life much, much earlier. So I would say with a normal um, experience and, and you know parents can divorce, that is, that is a trauma but it isn't necessarily the trauma that sends them over the edge if it's handled um, in, in a particular way. But the the it's the social media it's what's going on online on television in the news uh, the conversations their friends are having the sexualized nature of life now is far more intense and so what we're seeing is because they have mobile phones and, and chances are their smartphones life is coming into their worlds around you know year four year five um, and it's very it's it's there's a lot of pressure on them to yeah. grow up um, and if they don't feel safe in being themselves and being confident in who they are then then they're likely to be pulled into that world slightly earlier than than you're necessarily ready for it to happen mm, mm. yeah I, I think that's very true I can see that's starting to happen, certainly in our household interesting we've had a couple of questions through already that I think will help shape um, this conversation and Maria has a good question around how do we take back control in our households when we feel like our kids are starting to um, rule it um, and you know that handling the emotions that happen when they don't get their way I, I certainly feel that at, at times um, as children get older as well that we expect them to have grown out of tantrums let's say or having emotional meltdowns and so our expectations as parents are you know quite I think quite high um, we expect those years to have passed you know certainly a common thing out of my mouth sometimes to my 10 year olds are you're not two anymore um, and yet I'm seeing at times those kind of emotional 
um, breakdowns. So a, a good question from Maria, I think it'd be good to, to handle today. Absolutely. Um, so that taking back controls quite a, an interesting expression because um, I, I hate to break it to you, Maria, but you are going to lose a lot of control <laughs> over the coming years um, because it's not our job to control them um, as young adults. And so what we've got to go out of one mode into the next mode, it's saying, okay, we're going to have to put boundaries in place. So we, we need as parents to start handing over control to our children, young people. We're going to call them young adults because in teenage life they're, they're more training to be young adults than, than, they're, than they are adults or growing, into, or growing up from children. Um, so I, I would say we'll come back to that point about um, control and, and uh, boundaries. boundaries. Very, very important, the boundaries. Um, tantrums, heavens, I see many adults who still have tantrums um, <laughs> and uh, emotional breakdowns, and we'll see this in offices quite a lot. It's a really important skill for us to teach our young people. What we need to teach them is that um, in order to be heard, they need to learn how to um, express in a way that can be heard. So I've said to my... Um, kids on a number of occasions, I can see that this means a lot to you, I can see you want me to get it, but you're screaming at me. And I actually can't hear when I'm feeling like I'm being bombarded by your temper. So if, if we can just take five minutes to calm down and come back, I'm, I'm here, I'm ready to listen, but I cannot listen to you when you're shouting at me. And yeah. you have to give them equal power to say the same back to you. And this is where I see walk the talk. If we're screaming at someone and we're asking them to listen to us, they are not going to listen to us. Mm. Interesting. So. Um, Sarah responds as well to this question. and I, I guess it's off the pack of what you've just said. It's about boundary setting being important. And what happens when you know we've got good intentions about boundary setting but we're actually struggling to enforce them? You know, either yeah. being too reasonable or too restrictive or too permissive. Yeah. You know, is Look, there a way to balance that based on the individual teenager's response? Yep, um, very much so. I'm, I taught choices and consequences very early on, about from about 10, 11 years old, and I didn't follow through very well and got a massive wake-up call. Um, with my eldest when she was about 15, 14, 15. Um, boundaries are hugely important because they're still living in your home and they're still living under your rules. So that's really important. You've got to own your home and own your space. You know, what, what matters in your house matters in your house. So for example, in our house, we have a no alcohol policy because we, we find that if they see us um, constantly using that as a relaxation tool. That's what they'll use or that's what they'll think they need as a coping mechanism. So that's, that's just a small example of what we have. But when you have teenagers who want to party and who want you know, to come over and you know, party at your house, that's a really hard one to enforce because then you're saying, no, you have to go out to do it. You can't do it in this place. If we go back a few years, to say the 12, 13 age group, it's kind of difficult to, 
to know without knowing what age group we've got of parents on this call to know how to pitch it because some of the parents may be dealing with drug and alcohol issues and some may be just dealing with um, mm. answering back and, and not, not listening. But if we go back to the early years, it, it actually helps to set the foundation for the later years. So the, um, the, the choices and consequences is where you need to work and you need to be super careful um, that you don't have a consequence that is beyond what you can carry out. Yeah. So, for example, if the young person, your child, doesn't clean up after themselves, they're constantly leaving their, they walk in the door, they dump all of their stuff on the floor, and then they just go and sit and watch television. Mm, sounds There's a conversation. Yeah. Happens in our yeah. house. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Happens in ours too. Um, but and then, then everyone else who walks in sees that stuff there and then just dumps their stuff there and, and carries on and you walk in and just fall over everything. And it's the first assault that you get as you walk through the door. That's that it it's um you've got to cut that one straight away because that just then transfers to the rest of the house. They just think that they can dump stuff and move along. So you need to have a conversation as a family about the consequences of everyone polluting everyone's space you know that actually if you if you're a tidy person uh, and you want to create a, a reasonable space for everybody to be in you cannot dump your stuff in someone else's space is that making sense mm, mm, so uh, so I, I appreciate that you're tired when you come through the door but I actually don't want to fall over your stuff when you come through the door, so you need to put it here. And um, if you're tired, that's fine. Put it there, it's out of the way, and I want you to come back to it. Um, on occasion, when that hasn't been followed through in our house, it ended up on their bed. And the same applies for plates, glasses, anything that they've left lying around that they haven't picked up, I've put it on their bed which is fairly unpleasant when they go to get into bed. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. On another occasion, if they have been really difficult all through the week and they haven't actually done what they've been asked to do and they've made me late, then when it came to their Saturday sport, I made them late. Um, and that yes. was a very painful lesson. I mean, it was pretty hard for me to learn because everyone was glaring at me because they were late for going on the pitch but the, my my son got the worst of it because he let his team down so we talked about well you're letting your team down at home have you considered mm -hmm. that we're just as important as your social life or your sporting life and maybe when you next consider um, you know making us late you'll consider what it feels like to be late for yourself mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's some already gives us some great tips and advice as we go through this conversation. Keep your questions coming through; they're, they're fantastic, everyone. Um, Hamish has a great one about um, how do we stay calm as an adult? <laughs> what techniques um, do you have? And I think you've got some of those for us as we go. So um, we'll make sure that gets answered, Hamish. I think we all need that. Um, I will. Yep, I'm going to say I have a fantastic stick that I stick in the ground. And um, and I 
I hold on to it and we'll, we'll go through this as we go through because there are some tips it's really important that you look after yourself so that when mm. you actually when you need to feel calm you actually can so bear with me I'll come back to you Hamish because um, it's really important and then actually feeds everything that we're doing so I'll yeah. just um, go through that first slide very quickly so we can move on because um, a lot of this feeds the overwhelm that we get into which is where we can't control the the temper when you've got someone being actually quite abusive at you you know at times mm. so um, I would say the things that you've got to be very careful about as a parent now you might you might see this reflected in your office patterns but as a parent um, I'll do it it'll be quicker you know just saying oh, I just can't be bothered to wait for them to do it they have to learn how to do it and even if it takes longer you've got to let them learn I mean just as we had to learn they have to learn uh, stop saying yes start saying actually I think you can do that and um, a point in question is learning to iron shirts school shirts oh my lord it would have been so much quicker for me to do it and I probably would not have had the massive creases or the or the burn mark um, in the shirt that my son learned to iron but he learned to iron and he learned that you know if you leave it face down for too long there's a consequence you know so but now he can iron a shirt you know to all intents and purposes it's if if I don't get to it on the weekend it's for him to do and he knows that um, the just one whole load of washing is all the things you do either just before you leave the office or just before you go and pick up or take the kids to school don't don't fall into the trap of doing one more thing because what that does is it makes you late it puts you into anxiety and actually you will misdirect your frustration at being late into an argument that's a bit of a top tip because it happens before you know it. Yes, I've done that many a time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the the help what's for dinner is the anxiety that you can wake up with in the morning, knowing all you've got to do before you actually get to your desk, and then the impending anxiety of all that you've got to do when you get home from work at the end of the day. So, mine was I would wake up and I would just go. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a lover of cooking and I would wake up and go help what's for dinner and immediately I could feel the anxiety and I just start thinking how am I going to get dinner on the table when I get home from work so mm. keep an eye on those little things and just start spotting where your anxieties lie the outside inside voice um, that's a that's the misdirected meltdowns that's when you actually are stressed about something else and you 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 have an argument with someone else that isn't relevant so my kid said to me once maybe more than once um, uh, mum you're not actually cross with me you're cross with dad so could you please go and sort that out and then come and tell us what you need us to do it was such a stop moment <laughs> I was so humbled I was not really pleased to hear it but they were right I was cross with him and I hadn't told him I'd actually said well I'm not going to deal with that right now but I'd taken it out on them so we do have to own 
you know, whether we ask, whether we speak to them in a harsh way, and they actually don't don't warrant it. And teenagers will push back. Kids will take it. Teenagers won't. So, mm. Um, mm. worth worth knowing. Now, when you start going into teenage life, I, I love this expression where you were once adored, now you feel ignored. You know, the the cuddles can stop. The, the the smile can stop. You know, you go to sleep and everything's fine. You wake up and they hate you. And you're like, hello, what did I do? Um, it becomes very personal. They don't want to go to the shops with you. They don't want to walk with you. Um, that is all part of teenage growing up because they have to, biologically, they are going through a process where they detach from the umbilical cord of the parents and they're learning to be independent adults in the world. It's a biological um, phenomenon when their hormones kick in. So I wasn't told that and took it all completely personally and tried to push uh, for a lot more connection than I was getting. So that might help some who are finding it difficult that, you know, that, that they're not... Uh, they're not the first person their child goes to anymore. Um, I have noticed that the girls did it with me and my son has done it with um, his father. So it does seem to be that the opposite sex has a better relationship longer than the same sex, although that's not always the case. Mm. I was going to ask that about... Um, split families because there are obviously plenty of families that um, where both parents aren't working to, you know living together or together anymore and there are multiple parents where suddenly there are step parents involved as well um, how does I guess what you're talking about now get challenged by those circumstances um, I see a lot of hurt in the young person and hurt takes time and patience to get underneath because very often they blame one or other for the situation they find themselves in and actually fairly often they're blaming themselves for not being enough glue to keep the parents together. So there is a real breakdown in their world of, of how could it be that I couldn't fix that situation. It's um, that That's when they tend to slightly go off into a tangent and it's an area that I see in my work life quite a lot we have to be a little bit careful of because what they're looking for is is the connection so if you can still even if you're separated try as adults not to play the kids off if you're cross try really hard not to to um I don't know another word other than diss the other partner. You know, don't diss your husband, mm. and the husband don't diss the wife. It's, it, it. Um, they they may understand everything, but they don't need to know the details. They don't need to know the bad, the bad, um, because it's still their father and it's still their mother. And there's a there's a love and there's a tie that's that um, is very painful for them to consider at this stage that it might be fallible. 
Mm, and I'm sure that in, in many cases um, there are many people that you know do try and follow that rule of thumb but not necessarily their partner will and I guess mm. that's a, a or ex-partner will and I think that's a, an enormous challenge um, yep. for single parents raising teenagers or raising children of any age to be honest. Yeah. Look, um, respect is the word that I would um, keep putting out there. Just keep trying to hold respect for um, for the other person and for yourself and for the young person that they can understand. So I um, I don't teach. You can get a feel for when your young when your child is growing into a teenager and is ready to be considered more adult. And, and you have to, you'll feel it's like a tension between you. And if you can be sensitive to it and say, hey, you know, I can see that you're growing up really fast. I want to give you more, more space. Um, let's, you know, we need to keep the connection going though because, you know, I may see you only once a week. And so, you know, let's chat. Let's keep the text going. Let, you know, it's, you've got to build that connection. And you can't think that that connection is going to be there in five minutes. It just isn't because the child's world goes really fast. Mm. Mm, that's right. Shall I slip back into order and chaos? Keep going, yes. Okay, so order and chaos is about um, seeing on the surface what someone wants you to see, but underneath chaos is going on. So it's it's really like um, the swan, you know, you've got the, the outside, maybe the house is looking pristine, but actually underneath the relationships in the family are very um, turbulent. Um, teens pick up on this um, and they actually don't, they don't buy it. They're far more vocal about the fakeness of relationships. They um, are really judgmental. But what that also you've got to watch out for is uh, under the prickly surface is a really sensitive person and sometimes under the veneer of calm is a very um, unhappy person or a very, a very mixed up person. And so the only way I can, um, I can share is, is really make a concerted effort to get to know your, your child and remember that even though they're going through their teenage years, they're actually the same person as they were when they were that cuddly, sensitive um, person that told you their deeper, meaningful feelings. They're still that person. They're just not knowing how to handle it. And so um, I see a lot of uh, children who, who look like they're doing fantastically well because they're achieving academically, they're achieving sporting um, wise um, but underneath there's a major anxiety because they're you know they're, they might be looking for acceptance from their friends or they're looking for acceptance from their parents or recognition you know from from their achievements as opposed to being loved for who they are and that that bit that's underneath the outward surface being um, being loved regardless of the prickly outside so I will say to my kids, that behavior is unacceptable um, rather than tell them they're, they're a disgrace or they're stupid. You know, that really wasn't a very smart thing to do, was it? You know, let's, let's just look at the consequences of what happened there 
and if you had your time again, would you choose it again? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And we've had a really good question through as well around, you know, attachment in general and what happens if teenagers are having trouble detaching from some of those earlier years. So the, there's a tendency to, um, you know, want to stay younger rather than yeah. growing into those um, older years because there's a fear of that um, yeah. growing you know, how much have you experienced that in, in work that you've done? Yeah, a, a huge amount. I see a lot of young people really quite scared of growing up because they don't know how to cope with what's coming. And um, it does feel a little like a tsunami uh, of expectation. So, you know, that um, whether it's coming through their phone or it's coming from their friends, you know, that friends can be, friends can start talking about porn at school when they're in year five and year six. It's not unusual for that conversation to be happening. And that's quite full on for a young person who just hasn't lived that kind of life. Um, they will be, they'll be mirroring on some level, mirroring what's going on at home. They will, um, if, if the parents are anxious about them growing up, the chances mm. are the young person will be anxious about them growing up. And so, again, through all of this, I would say, you know, I, I would always say get some support for yourself if you're discovering things that you're anxious about that you haven't dealt with. Get support because it's really easy to pass those fears on to a child that they will then take into a major problem in their teenage years. Yeah, and I think it's also this, uh, you know, I certainly have found myself doing it as a parent around, come on, you need to grow up now, um, yeah. you know, step up, I'm not going to do that anymore for you, um, whether it be obviously a certain chore in the house. One parent um, has a questioner, Kelly's coming around, you know, holding hands in, in, in a public space when our kids are 14, 15 years old, is that a good idea to be encouraging that or... Is it better to be letting them be independent and, and, and walk on their you know on their own as opposed to being um, and I use that word metaphorically walking on their yeah. own letting them do that as opposed to um, constantly uh, doing everything for them um, because I think that's it's very easy to get that mix right Definitely. and wrong right yeah and you know sometimes I certainly feel in my house I've been it's been right to do that to tell them to step up. And then there's yep. other times, and I don't. I think that expectation hasn't been um, quite right. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, um, great question because our job as parents, which will come up later, but I think goes all the way through this. Our job is to raise independent young adults, independent, independent of us. None of us know where our lives are going to take us, and so the greatest gift we can give our children is to let them know that they will be okay if we're not there. So giving, giving them um, the boundaries helps them, while it's safe, to, to discover for themselves what their choices are, what the consequences of those choices are. Now in terms of holding hands, um, uh, they will grow out of that at, you know, at some point. My question would be, why are they holding your hand? Are they nervous? Are they feeling uncomfortable in the shopping centre? Because it can be quite full on. 
um, there's a lot of noise, there are a lot of people, do they feel safe? So I would always get a feel for, you know, are you feeling okay? Um, if they're looking for um, connection with you, mm. that that's something that's something different. If they're looking, if they're not feeling close enough to you, there's a question about what's going on in the rest of the day that um, that they feel they need that intimacy of holding hands because the only there's nothing wrong with holding hands it's it's really it's there's a really beautiful side to it but there's there's a a, a couple of times where the holding of the hand you feel as a parent and this is perhaps where the questions come from you feel that it's it's out of a need and a not wanting to step out into the world and that's where the question and the conversation comes are you okay what's you know do you want to how are things going ask outside the supermarket or outside the shopping center and say hey now I noticed that whenever we go to the shopping center you like to hold my hand and and as much as I love that I want to check that you're okay and that you're not feeling anxious about going to the super, uh, going to the shopping center Mm, okay. So let me know if that helps um, or not, and I'm I'm happy to 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 talk some more. Um, anxiety. If that carried on, I would say that that was a sign of a little bit of anxiety there. But um, without knowing the situation, it's mm. you know I'm certainly not going to to. Um, diagnose anything it's more about it's more about giving you support about how to have those conversations that will give you an idea of what's going on for your young person okay great and um, so that really covers all of that slide the honesty versus the picture of perfection and don't fall for it I mean teenagers are master manipulators they they will give us exactly what they think in fact, they know we need to get them off our backs, to get us off yeah. their backs. Does that make sense? They yeah. are, I, I, the number of times I've sat there and gone, I've, I've done it again. I have fallen for the line. You know, they've gone out and I've realized that, um, you know, uh, I don't know what it was. I remember dropping my daughter off to a party and her friends were fantastic at distracting me so that I didn't notice that my daughter was really, really not well from the amount of alcohol she consumed in her bedroom before leaving. I was totally, totally flummoxed and totally taken in by the, her friends being so chatty with me, which they weren't normally. No, so please be a little bit careful <laughs> that you don't fall for the... Um, for the picture of what you want as opposed to what's actually going on. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And um, certainly Nerida and Maria and a couple of others have brought up a great question around um, stress being attached to the technology and the devices that are being used. Um, and I know that we're already feeling that in our house as well. If there's too much screen time, they can be yeah. literally quite feral. Um, the minute they, they're told to get off it, um, yes, and that is not something that you know we as children ever had, um, no. and therefore you know as parents now very little experience at how to parent it and manage it. Yeah. 
Um, how much is screen time um, really impacting teenage behaviour? It's a massive issue, massive issue. And I see a lot of teenagers who, um, I mean, I'm so pleased you asked the question because I see a lot of teenagers who get to a stage when it, when the parent isn't on top of it, who actually won't leave their room. So they drop out of school and they become completely socially, socially isolated. So it's really great that you're asking the question. Um, what comes through those games, it's like a hook. That's how they're designed. They're marketed to be able to hook you in. Um, and, and young people do, they get, they get totally consumed by the need to get one more berry or um, you know, get one more line or get up one more level, um, get one more Pokemon. You know, it's, it's an absolute addiction. And it's worth pointing out to them when you see their mood change. You need to point out to them at the time, hey, you're just totally different from the way you were before you went on that game. You need to understand that that has changed who, that's changed your behavior and it's really unpleasant to be around. It's, I'm finding it really difficult because you're not Sam or you're not Jack or you're not um, Claire. You're not, you're, not my, you're not the same person as you were before you went on. And they start clocking it for themselves if you can say it enough and say it without judgment. If you can say it from, hey, look, I miss you. Um, you we were having a great uh, conversation and now it, it's all gone. It's a bit strange. Um, just bear with it. It will turn around. Uh, very important to have limits on the time that they're online. When you're a working parent, you can easily get distracted and be quite grateful that they're occupied. But two hours, two hours can happen really fast, and two hours of screen time then that person has been gone and, in, and sucked into that game for two hours. So their behavior is going to be um, according to that. I would also ask that um, you learn the lesson that I did, which is that we have to model the behavior online that we're asking them to model. So if we're sucked into our phones and our devices, and I have had a computer, an iPad, um, and my phone on in front of me all at the same time, if I'm going between different devices and on it for that amount of time, then if I don't put boundaries on myself, I actually can't turn around and say to them that they need to not be on theirs because my behavior equally will be distracted by that. So we've, we've really got to start looking at our own device behavior and say, hey, we're going to have no devices from 7 o'clock or 6.30, it's dinner time, all of them on the side. Um, we did it in our house and the conversation was very stilted for quite a while and the rush for the devices afterwards was hysterical not least from my husband, um, but it, 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 actually, it actually, you end up having quite a lot of laughs over it because you can all be humorous about the fact that you're missing your device or you're missing the interaction because that's what everyone is looking for. They're looking for the connection, the interaction, you know, they're not wanting to miss out. 
So give them something to not want to miss out on in the home and in the connection with you rather than constantly online and accept that some of their friendships are, be, are going to be built online. So with games um, like the FIFA, FIFA game is great, um, you know, because they'll all play football together online. But for four hours, possibly not. You know, you just mm. got to be mindful and and keep an ear out for the language that's used when they're on games where they're all talking to each other as well, because. Um, anyone can join those games sometimes, and sometimes you've got adults who are um, not so cool with their language. Well, that's right. And I, I'm assuming that the same applies for anything like TV or movies, not just games, but just being, um, you know, I guess sucked into um, watching something where they're not interacting, that it does take them away from. Um, being able to have good conversation with you as well and, and managing that because certainly there was another really good question around um, how do you help a, te you know, a teenage child really express how it is um, that they're feeling because sometimes yeah. it's very hard for them to put words to, to it and so the behaviour you'll see is actually one of frustration. Um, yep. So it's easy to go and occupy themselves with TV, videos, games, etc. rather than yep. have a conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. That I mean, I would say that is eighty percent of the cases that get referred to um, our organisation is exactly that, that they that they actually don't know how to express, and when they do, they do it in a clunky way, and they get such an enormous reaction that they think I can't, I'm, I'm not going to be bothered, I can't be bothered to to give it a go. Um, I know that with mine when. When I struggled, I was told by the most amazing counsellor, you have to understand that when they're learning to talk, they're going to be clunky, they're going to get it wrong, they're going to be rude, and um, it's just like when they start walking, they, they need to be able to be bundling and fall over and, and know that you're still going to love them at the end of it. Doesn't mean you don't say, hey, you know, we need to find a different way to communicate because I can see you feel very strongly about this, but I'm not understanding what you're saying to me, and I want to understand it. But the um, for for those that can't express, it's worth finding. I mean, I found that when we went driving and we were both facing forward, that was a really good time to have a conversation. Um, you can go cycling, face forward. Don't look at each other. Give yourself the eye space not to be confrontational. Take the dog for a walk. Go walk around the park. Just say, you know, hey, um, do you fancy coming to take the dog for a walk with me? Or find a way to spend time with them. Um, I've, I've taken up Pokemon to spend time with my son at times. And we have had such a laugh. We've talked about all sorts of things. And, you know, we've, but I've also learned about what he enjoys. So be prepared. You may be online gaming for half an hour, but the, you might actually understand what's going on in their lives where they're not able to talk directly to you. If that, uh, can you ask if that, if that helps? Yes, I, I, well, I certainly think so. I, I, you know, it's that whole, um, if you can't beat them, join them um, concept yeah. around getting, 
to step into their world. So for example, my boys um, were right into Minecraft. Um, I really didn't understand what it was and I um, took the time to sit down and say, okay, take, take me through it. Talk me through, you know, how this works and, and what you can do and what you love about it. And oh my gosh, the engagement. They, I had to sort of, um, you know, at some stage wind up the conversation. They could have talked to me for hours yeah. about what it was all about. They were so engaged to tell me about it. And I guess what that helped me do is what, obviously, as you say, work out what they enjoyed about it have a conversation about it. We had a conversation about what made it so cool at the end of it. But we also, it allowed me to open the conversation to go, okay, but what's also the downside of this game is X, Y, and Z. And we had a conversation mm -hmm. about that too. Um, and because we had it at the end of actually a good period and, and we'd had a laugh and I'd sat down, as you say, and, and took the time to understand it, they were more willing to listen to um, potentially what were some of the downsides of the game. Um, and that certainly then, from then on, helped me monitor um, their behaviour on it and, and yep. how much time they had on it. So I think taking the time to um, get involved and, and know about what they're enjoying online, what they're enjoying playing um, and why, I think is, is really um, useful because, let's face it, technology isn't going away. As one parent has pointed out here, um, technology is all in the high schools where there is a requirement to have a laptop or use an iPad, etc., yeah. to do homework and interact at school. Um, it, it's not going away, but how no. we choose to interact with it, with them, I think is really important. Yep, and we teach them how to be, you know, good digital citizens. And you know, if you're going to chat online, make sure that you're chatting and you're being respectful to someone else. You know, don't. And um, one of the things that came up on some of the um, games that my son was playing was the language that was used, and the, there was a little bit of bullying going on. And I was downstairs, and I heard him saying, "Hey, no, I'm not joining that. They're they're being really nasty to him. I don't think we should join in. I think we should." we should actually say that's not okay and two of them did and everybody joined them and said you know you're right that's not right and it just took a couple of them to say hey we're going to um, we're not going to join in because that's going down a, a really nasty path to turn it around but the other thing I also learned and that I think will be helpful for people who have time restraints by learning what so, for example, I mean, I'll go back to FIFA, but by learning the, the way FIFA is played, I also understood that I needed to give him a 15-minute warning before food was ready because he needed to finish the game. He needed to finish his, whatever that section was, to find the out before he lost something about where he was. So um, it's worth just saying to them sometimes, hey, um, are there particular levels that you need to get to? Can you check out at any point? Can you save the game and come back to it? Um, if you understand their world, they will give you so much information. They really will. They'll give you, they'll give you heaps if you don't judge them. And judgment is something that kind of is worth knowing that sits below the surface when you're irritated. Yes, oh, absolutely. 
And look, you know, there's been a few more questions that continue coming up around social media, um, which is, you know, obviously all in the whole topic we're talking about now, and how we limit their access and how much time they spend on it. I guess my my view on this is if we're starting to it's getting introduced much more in, in our house now and interacting on it, um, but is is really trying to be um, very clear around, you know, what agreeing and sitting down with them about what to use it for, um, why they want to use it, how it's going, you know, how they're going to um, interact on it, and agreeing those kind of boundaries um, up front, and you know how. And it's difficult because I think children are very good, as you say, master manipulators at saying, well, such and such has got it and his mother said he can, you know, there's no limitations on when he uses it. And certainly um, in our parent community network, you know, as parents, we've checked up a few times and said, is that true? Is that right? And, and certainly um, some parents have said, no, it's not like that in our house. Um, so mm -hmm. kids are really good at um, telling really great white lies to each other about what they're allowed to do um, at home or not allowed to do at home. And um, and it's actually often not the case. Um, so, But how do you actually sit down and say, well, you know, regardless of what goes on in Jack's house, um, let's let's agree what our boundaries are going to be in our house and then we can look at um, how we get you into social media. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure enough of those kind of education conversations are happening before parents um, are you know, helping, you know, I think it's guiding people into social media, isn't it? Helping the children into social media to understand it. Um, Very much. We, we need to have the conversation. We need to be prepared to look. Um, um, on the last point on this slide, it says, get to know your teens tell. Um, it's a, that's a stress mechanism. So you get to understand where your, where your child is, is exhibiting behaviors that are slightly more aggressive, but there's no real logic to them. On social media, that's, that, that, is, that was one of the saving graces for me. So my, um, both my girls ended up on Ask FM, which is um, a, a, a foul site um, or foul app that basically means they can ask whatever question they want um, to whoever they want. And you can be anonymous. Now, whoever designed it, I think, really had no clue where it would go. But there were a number of suicides over it because it was a, a very big bullying um, space. And um, I didn't. I noticed that something was wrong, but my neither of my I mean, it happened separate on separate occasions with about I think about eight months in between them. But the first, my eldest didn't tell me what was going on until it was so bad we needed to go to the police. And um, with the second one, she learnt from the older one and actually. Uh, caught it very early and spoke up very early. I went on, said something, and it stopped completely. But you need to you need to know that those what they're on, and not give them permission on their phone to just download anything. So talk to each other as parents and say, ah, oh, you know, so and so says you're on this. Have you heard about it? Because that that will set up a really good pattern of behaviour.